What's up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on my main platform being Twitter at Deep Dive FF, Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, YouTube at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, even TikTok at Deep Dive FF. And as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com. With that being said, let's get into the content. What's up, divers? Welcome in to another episode of Deep Dive Fantasy Football. Today, I bring you the Miami Dolphins. And honestly, I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. This was a very easy team for me to project because we don't have too much changes. Like, there's not that many crazy changes. They added a, a running back and they lost the tight end. Their core wide receivers, coaching, quarterback, all of that stuff is the same. No crazy changes on the offensive line. There's nothing really super crazy that changed with this team. So it's actually pretty easy to project, which should give you more confidence in in my projections for these players. But going over that offensive line, we did have the center Mike Pouncey retire, and they had some smaller offensive line losses. Nothing crazy, really. Skill positions, they lost, like I said, tight end Mike Gesicki. They lost tight end Hunter Long. They added wide receiver Robbie Anderson, and they added running back Devon A-Chain, 84th overall in the NFL draft in the third round. And a lot of people like A-Chain. I was not a huge A-Chain guy. This is a nice landing spot for him, um, for him to be successful in the NFL. I don't necessarily know if that's going to lead to fantasy relevance. We'll get to that. But that's pretty much it on skill positions. And then they added a couple corners to the defense. They added Jalen Ramsey, traded for him. And they added cornerback Cam Smith, 51st overall in the NFL draft. I think that was pretty much their only two draft picks was like Cam Smith and Devon Achain. So that's what we've got there in terms of the team. They did add Vic Fangio as a defensive coordinator, so their defense is probably going to get better. And that's pretty much what we're working with on team changes, which is super simple, like I said. When we look at last year, they had 974 offensive plays. It didn't change much if you just took the games where Tua played only, where he played fully. They're still on pace for just about that. They passed the ball 584 times. They ran the ball 390 times, a.k.a. they passed the ball 60% of the time, one of the highest in the league. And when you look at the games where Tua played, and I'm not counting like a game where he played like let's say less than 80 percent of the snaps because he got injured i'm talking full coverage games or almost full coverage games of tua that's weeks one two three and then seven through 16 so that's the weeks that tua played and if we're just looking at those weeks they had 386 passes and 247 runs that's a 61 percent pass rate so still pretty pretty similar even when Tua went out and a different quarterback came in they still kind of had that same exact identity they're pass heavy and that's pretty much how they roll I mean so we're not going to see too much of a change and the offense they got faster the secondary they improved the defensive coordinator improved those are the three changes pretty much and when I say the offense got faster, it's because of A-Chain and because of Robbie Anderson. I do expect the total plays to improve. 974, that was last year. Not that great. I do think they're going to do a little bit better than that. I do think they also run the ball a little bit more at a higher clip, a higher percentage compared to pass, but not by a big margin. I'm projecting 1,008 plays. That's about average for 
what I would project the team. So I'm thinking they, they get a little bit better, get to run a little bit more plays. The defense got a little better. Defensive coordinator got a little better. And hopefully Tua can stay healthy the whole time. I think they'll get some more plays in. I'm giving them a 58% pass rate, 42% run. So just running a little bit more than last year. They did add a third running back, hopefully who can stay healthy, because obviously we know Jeff Wilson was there for only a part of the season, and then Mostert was there part of the season because of injury. So those guys are not super reliable. They've got a younger guy now who hopefully doesn't get hurt, and they can have a more healthy season in the running back room. And for that reason and the better defense, they'll be able to run a little bit more. So I have them passing 58% of the time opposed to 60% of the time last year, 61% with Tua. That's going to lead to 585 passes. Last year was 584. So see, pretty similar. 423 runs opposed to 390 last year. So pretty much the same exact thing as last year, just a couple more runs because they're getting a couple more plays in. Now, Off of the 585 passes is where we're going to get all these stats for everybody. Obviously, we're going to start with Tua. Let's knock out his rushing real quick. He doesn't really run much. I'm giving him 25 attempts for 75 yards. That's that's the line for him. It's kind of just average for him. He had 8.9 yards. 8.9. That's ridiculous. Because remember, NFL average is about 7.1 to 7.3. 8.9 yards per attempt last year for Tua Tagovailoa. Expect it to be a bit lower just because of how crazy high that is to put back-to-back seasons like that's very uncommon. So I do have that dropping a little bit. Not anything crazy, but I do have it dropping a little bit. And he had a 13.7 yards per completion last year. 13.7. That is obnoxious. This year, I'm giving him 8.5 yards per attempt. Remember, last year, 8.9. This year, I'm giving him 8.5. That 13.7 yards per completion, that's got to come down. That is a huge outlier. So I'm bringing it down to still very, very high above NFL average, 13.1. NFL average on yards per completion, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, is about 11.1, like 11.1, 11.2. He's in the 13s. That is obnoxious. And I still am projecting that, which is like, all right. So I'm still like going out there and saying, look, he's going to have a really good season as a passer. Tua was very good. He's going to be very good as a passer. And I'm giving him that 13.1 yards per completion, opposed to 13.7 last year. And then I do think his touchdown rate is going to be very similar. Last year, he had 6.3. This year, I'm giving him 6.2. That is not a crazy outlier. There are, are quarterbacks, especially you know, when they have the type of weapons Tua has that do have very high touchdown uh, rates, especially because his wide receivers are just, they're going to break them off. They break off these long touchdowns. They make it very easy for the quarterback to be efficient in that touchdown rate category. So that's going to bring Tua to 585 pass attempts, 380 completions, 4,981 passing yards, just under 5,000, just barely, and 36 passing touchdowns. That's going to be 20.7 points per game. 20.7 points per game. He just hopped Kirk Cousins. He hopped him as my QB9. So Cousins, I was telling you guys, he might be my my best quarterback outside of that those two first tiers. Well, it looks like it's going to be Tua just barely. Tua's barely in front of Kirk Cousins as QB9 for me. He does hold more risk, though. So I might actually prefer Kirk Cousins. Plus, you're going to get Kirk Cousins later in drafts, I believe. That's what it's looking like opposed to Tua, so I'll probably just take Kirk Cousins because he's a one one spot difference for me in the same tier, and I do think Tua has that risk because of 
the concussion issue that unfortunate is very unfortunate, but it, it is something that we can't just ignore. So he does carry some risk because of that. Now let's go into the, the wide receivers. Okay, we're not really projecting anybody other than Tyreek and Jalen Waddle. Everything else is going to be in the other category. So we've got Tyreek and Jalen Waddle, no tight ends to project. And just we're going to break down the running back room, and that's it. And get you guys out of here. It's going to be a quick one because it's a very easy team to project. I usually put in about three, four hours on a team. This team took me about two, two hours and maybe like uh, give or take 15 minutes. So it wasn't too bad. When we're looking at Tyreek, with Tua, in the games with Tua, when healthy, Tyreek Hill had 31.6% of the targets. Remember I told you guys that elite, elite wide receiver range is 28 to 32. The elite, elite are 30 to 32% target shares. Well, Tyreek is one of those type of wide receivers, even with somebody like Jalen Waddle, because they don't have like any crazy weapons after that, he's still able to have a target share that high. And I do think he's still going to have a very high target share, but I'm going to drop it down a little bit. 31.6% of the targets last year. This year, I'm giving him 30%. He had 7 of 25 touchdowns last year from Tua. From Tua, specifically. He had 7 of 25. That's 28%. That's probably still pretty similar as well. I have Tua, like I said, at 36 passing touchdowns. I'm going to give 10 of those to Tyreek Hill. About the same percentage. Now... We also have to look at his efficiency, all that stuff. Well, first off, being across from Jalen Waddle in this offense made Tyreek way more efficient. And that's just, it's the environment. It's not, if you look at Tyreek's efficiency, you're going to say, whoa, huge outlier. Drop all of that back down to the average. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't drop it down to the average because he's got Jalen Waddle, and that's a huge difference. It's a big, 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 big difference. So I'm keeping. Very high efficiency for Tyreek. I'm going to bring it down a little bit. He had 14.4 yards per reception. I'm bringing it down to 14. I'm giving him the same 70% catch rate. I'm giving him about the same rate of touchdowns. His yards per target for me this year is 9.8. Last year, it was 10.1. So that's going down a little bit. All of that, despite all of that, he's at 176 targets. He is at like 170 last year. 176 targets, 123 receptions, 1,720 receiving yards, just above 100 a game, and 10 receiving touchdowns. That makes him my wide receiver two right now, and I don't think anybody's going to pass him. And that's going to make him my wide receiver two behind Justin Jefferson at 20.9 points per game. That is amazing that is definitely worth a top 10 pick in your fantasy drafts if you want to take him top five go for it I probably would prefer to still I still hit on running back I still you know take my swings at running back early that's just the type I got type of guy I am what either running backs early or tight end that's pretty much how I always build my my teams in the drafts but sometimes you know it's just not how the board falls and you, you take the best player available and you work with it you take guys in tiers that are higher in a different position than going down a tier for just a position of need. So you do want to still always don't just be like, hey, I have to get running back or I have to get tight end or wide receiver. You you know, go with the flow, see what the best values are. But with that said, Tyreek is worth one of those premium, premier, top, top, top picks. I don't have any concerns over him. Obviously, you're like, yeah, obviously, Brandon, like he's worth that. But there are guys that I have pegged in the past that have that type of capital, that draft capital and fantasy drafts, that I always tell you guys, hey, stay away from. There's too many 
things that have changed. There's too many flags. There's too many tendencies that are now in play with like a new coach or a new player or a new quarterback or, or something like that that could change things. Well, that's not the case here. Tyreek is locked and loaded. 20.9 points per game. Then we look at Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle with Tua got 22.8% of the targets. He had 32% of the touchdowns. And probably similar efficiency, but I'm going to give him a higher target share. That 22.8% of the targets, that's going to go up. Especially with a guy like Gesicki gone. Because everybody that's replacing that tight end room of Gesicki, Hunter Long, are not going to just fill those that role 100% to that you know, the top of that cup of what those tight ends were offering. So there's going to be some more on the table. And I do think Jan Watt is going to take a little bit more. Plus, I also took away a little bit from, from Tyreek. So you could also say, hey, that's why, that's where Waddle's getting this little bit extra target share from. So from 22.8% of the targets last year, I'm giving him 25%. He is more efficient than Tyreek because he saw easier coverage. I mean, that's probably why. He is deadly weapon number two. They have two deadly weapons. Most teams would dream to have one of these type of players. The Miami Dolphins have two, and that's why the job for Tua has been so easy and so nice. You know, NFL quarterbacking can only be so easy, but you do get what I'm saying. Last year, he had a 64% catch rate. I am raising that to 67. However, last year, he had an 18.1 yards per reception. That is definitely going to come down. I have him at 16.5. That's going to be, on his yards per target basis, that's going to be a a good drop, and that should make you confident in this projection because he's still really high for me. 11.7 yards per target is what he was working with last year. That's what Waddle's production was. This year, I have him at 11.1 yards per target. So, you know, half, just over half of a decrease, half of like one point decrease, which is a lot. That's a, that's a pretty big decrease. And he's still going to be a beast. And 11.1 is insane. The fact that he had 11.7 yards per target last year is even more crazy. But with all that said, that 25% target share, similar efficiency, albeit a little bit less that brings him to 146 targets, 98 receptions, 1,617 receiving yards, and 10 receiving touchdowns. So I've got Tyreek just above 100 yards a game, Waddle just under 100 yards a game. That's going to be 18.8 points per game for Jalen Waddle. He is a very good wide receiver who is well worth a second-round pick. And I think you're, you're at this point, we're kind of getting him at like the beginning of the third round. I am taking that discount on Waddle instead of Tyreek every time. Every time. If you want a piece of that offense, just take Waddle much later than than Tyreek is going. Because Tyreek is not going to be that much better. And I would venture to say that it's probably more likely. We don't bet on this stuff, especially not here on this podcast. But I would say it's more likely that Tyreek gets hurt than Jalen Waddle does. So I'm going to take the discount on Jalen Waddle for almost the same production. Now let's look at the running back room. This is like really where I spent most of my my projections. Um, the time was in this running back room. So last year, their three running backs were Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, and Chase Edmonds. And once Jeff Wilson got added to the team, it was pretty much a two-back system. They split almost completely 50-50 in the running back room between Mostert and Jeff Wilson, almost completely 50-50. Now, I do think they're going to use a third back a little bit more now because now they've got three very good ones. And because of the injury history, 
I think even if they all stay healthy, I think the coaches want to make sure he keeps Moster and Jeff Wilson healthy and the new running back, Devon A. Chain, healthy. So I think he's going to integrate them all. I don't think they're going to keep that two-back system. Otherwise, you know, Jeff Wilson or Moster, one of them are going to be the guy left out and they're not going to be doing anything, which I don't think is going to be the case. So I do think he's going to kind of be more like the 49ers and have this three-back-ish type of system. You have to decide. You. You have to decide who you think is the number one. Because of the investment, the youth, and this is the person I'm the most confident in not getting hurt, Devon Achain, I'm going to project him as the number one. If you want to change it, you can change it. And you can look at my projections, go in the sheet, and just swap the carries, and everything will change for you. And you'll be like, all right, you know, Devon Achain is my running back one. You'll see what my points per game are for him. If you think it's a different running back, then you're almost swapping that one for one because they're not going to be that different from each other in terms of their efficiency, like yards per carry, stuff like that. So I am projecting Devon Achain as the number one. He's got the speed and the youth on his side. I am projecting this backfield to split the carries, 45% of the carries going to their RB1, which in this case for me is A-chain, 30% of the carries going to RB2, 25% of the carries going to RB3. That's a three-back system at its finest. So with that said, we also have to, and so for me, that's 30% of the carries are Mostert, 25% are Jeff Wilson. So I have Mostert as the number two and Devon A-chain getting 45%. With that said, we got to look at the touchdowns. They only had 12 rushing touchdowns last year and I'm projecting about the same so I'm going to split those touchdowns to six rushing touchdowns to A-chain and then three to each of the other two guys nobody in this offense last year nobody at any position passed 60 targets in the offense after Tyreek and Waddle so Tyreek and Waddle just took over this offense they're most of the targets and you look at everybody else and nobody surpassed 60 targets and it's not from injury either. It's not like, you know, a Gesicki was on pace for 90 targets, but he got hurt. No, there was none of that. It, that was just the whole team. For the most part, the whole season was healthy, and that's just how it shook out. The running back room last year had about 15% of the targets. It's not like A-Chain's like some world-renowned receiving running back that they added, so I don't think that that's really going to change too much. I do think the running back position as a whole is going to have five receiving touchdowns. I'm giving two of those to Mostert, one of those to A-Chain, and two of those to Jeff Wilson. And looking at target percentages, 15% of the targets to the running back position last year, I'm projecting the same, like I said. I'm going to give half of the target share that's going to the running backs to Mostert and then split the rest between A-Chain and Jeff Wilson. All of the running backs were between 4.7-4.9 yards per carry last year, which that's really good, obviously. I'm expecting it to be about the same. I'm giving A-Chain 5 yards per carry, giving Mostert 7.9 and Jeff Wilson about, or 4.9, excuse me, and Jeff Wilson about 4.7-ish. So that totals 850 yards between between receiving and rushing. For A-Chain, it's about 850 yards, 7 touchdowns. Mostert 750 yards, 5 touchdowns. And Jeff Wilson 550 yards and 5 touchdowns. Only draft... Only draft Devon A-Chain if you can bench him until possible injury in the room. Because I'm telling you right now, I'm tell- it doesn't matter how much you like A-Chain. Knowing how that coaching staff runs things, the type of offense they like to run, the history that they've dealt with, and where they draw back to from the 49ers, everything that we have there, nobody's going to take over the backfield if it's not the result of an injury. If everyone's healthy, there's not going to be like a bell cow or anything like that so when you're looking at 
A chain, for me, I'm giving him 850 yards, seven touchdowns. I think that's a pretty kind projection for his rookie season. And that's only 8.2 points per game in fantasy. 8.2 points per game in fantasy football. That's not great. And I, I don't see why, I really don't get the hype. Like a lot of people are super excited for A-Chain and they're like, dude, this is such a good landing spot. Oh, it's great system. He's got so many weapons to, to detract attention away from him and he can use his speed and break off big runs. Yes, all this is true, but if he's getting eight carries a game, it doesn't matter. It, do, it doesn't matter. And he's not going to get 15 carries a game unless one or both of these guys get injured. And who's to say that they still don't just keep that type of rotation going because they have Miles Gaskin and Salvin Ahmed. And both of those guys, those are the best RB4 and RB5 in the NFL. They could be RB2s or 3s on any NFL team for the most part. So like their room is deep and they're getting ready to you know, to run the ball a lot with different guys and stay healthy at the position or at least stay loaded at that position because right now they've got five running backs. So to me, I, I just don't see upside. And A-Chain's not some world-class receiver. He's not going to come in here, at least not what from what I've seen. I don't think he's going to come in here and get 50 receptions. Okay, the, the Dolphins don't even target the running back that way in the first place. So that doesn't really make sense to me. So I don't see an opportunity for A-Chain unless everybody around him gets injured and he's the only guy left standing. Then, okay, maybe. But it's just not in the cards for me. There's way better people you can pivot to in a redraft. And then in Dynasty, it's kind of the same the same thing for me. You know, A-Chain is going up against guys like Kendra Miller and Roshan Johnson. I'm going to take Roshan Johnson and Kendra Miller before A-Chain. And you might think that's crazy that I say that about Roshan, but think about this. Devon A-Chain is in a back, in a three-headed backfield. Roshan Johnson is in a three-headed backfield. Now you might be saying, "Well, Roshan Johnson's in a four-headed backfield because Justin Fields runs the ball a lot. Even if you took away all of Justin Fields' rush attempts, there are more carries to go around for the Bears than for the for the Dolphins." It it sounds crazy, but that's how the Bears were, and they're not going to be to that degree, but they're going to still be pretty close, one of the most run-heavy offenses in the in the entire league. And when you look at running back carries, there's more running back carries. The running back position is getting more work in Chicago. So that's not talking about fields at all. In Chicago, the running backs are getting more work than they are in Miami. And I like Roshan better as a receiver than A-Chain. I like Roshan better as a prospect than A-Chain. So I'm not gonna have a chain anywhere. I'm just not. He he's not my he's not my guy in this in this class, and he's not in a situation that changes anything for me. So that's what we're working with with the Miami Dolphins. That's pretty much it. That's the gist of it. I'm gonna go over the projections for these guys. Like I said, Jalen Waddle. I'm taking that discount. I love it. Tua is gonna be just under 5,000 passing yards, 36 touchdowns. Tyreek Hill, just under. Um, just under 180 targets, so 176 targets, 123 receptions, and 1,700 receiving yards, about 100 per game, 10 touchdowns. Jalen Waddle, 150 targets, about about 100 receptions, 1,600 receiving yards, 10 touchdowns. Devon A-Chain, Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, I don't really have interest in any of them. The highest one I have projected is A-Chain as the number one, getting almost 50% of the work in the room for carries. And I have him at less than 10 points per game for fantasy. So pretty much useless. 
unless something crazy happens. So those are that's you know that's what we've got. You might be saying, well, you know, how come you didn't project like Robbie Anderson, Robbie Anderson, or anything like that? Well, out of everybody that we talked about, everybody I projected after that, there's only 176 targets left to go around, and it's not like the majority of that is going to go to one person. So anybody else that I would be spending time projecting would be getting less than 50 targets. So there's no reason to because you're not going to take those guys in fantasy. So that's all we've got for the Dolphins. I appreciate you guys listening in. Basically, the takeaway on this podcast is Tua is a great redraft quarterback to grab and just secure him. Well, you don't need to secure him if there's a bunch of guys on the waiver wire, but if it's like a super flex or if just people are, you know, deep, let's say it's a deep bench, people like to grab other quarterbacks for backups, just secure Tua with a safer option like a Kirk Cousins or something who's also in a similar range, but you can get later, something like that. But, you know, Tua is going to be a good quarterback for you. Tyreek is worth where he's getting drafted, but I'd take Waddle at the discount, not interested in taking any of these running backs. And that's it. That's all we've got. Miami Dolphins, check. First AFC team off the list. Appreciate you guys listening. Drop a like or a, a rating, a review. Share with a friend. Help pay off my hard work in the in the study room. Thank you and goodbye.